0: This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fishing Texas, with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxigemba. Join the conversation at KayakFishingRadio.com, or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. It's another Tuesday night on Kayak Fishing Radio. This is Yak Fish in Texas. I am Jaron Wassel, joined by my esteemed colleague, as usual, Andrew Moxigemba, the non-paddling paddler.
1: <laughs> the other
0: guy. Yeah, yeah. If you go by whoever's in the, the chat room, the other guy. So uh, again, if you know if you're going to come in tonight and log into the chat, if you want to take place. And active conversation and whatnot. Be uh, be sure to log in with social media, Facebook, LinkedIn or not LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever. Uh, Facebook again, it's always the easiest. But uh, so yeah, welcome to another Tuesday. Got a couple of topics to cover tonight. Not too much. Uh, we had a couple of big events go on this last weekend. We had the Battle in the Bahamas take place. You know, Joe Hector's event. And uh those guys rocked it, man. Uh did you get a chance to check out the winning catches over there? No, I didn't.
1: Feel uh, stupid. I should I saw the ring. The ring looks cool. Dude,
0: they landed a both a blue and a white Marlin during the event.
1: Oh, that's not fair. That,
0: that is just cool. straight up dirty. I mean, those guys, those guys just rocked it. I mean, there was everything coming. I mean, there was some really nice grouper caught out there. Uh, there was a ton of mahi caught, and, and some absolutely monstrous kings. I mean, these kings I had. To, I mean, you're talking 60 inch, 40 pound plus kings. I mean, they were big, big, big. And a lot of these guys took away a lot of coin for what they were doing. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a guy right here. I think he uh, he took somewhere in the ballpark of four thousand bucks. Um, I think that's uh, that was the guy that won the event. I think his name's Brian Nelly. Yeah, he, I think he caught one of the the bill. I'm not sure if he caught one of the billfish or not. But there are a lot. There were several billfish caught, which was really impressive. And then just, you know, giant yellow grouper, you know, just the whole assortment. It was really cool, man. Looks like everybody had a blast. Uh, Joe Hector's done a really good job of capturing some of this stuff on the on his Facebook page. You can go to Extreme Kayak Fishing, Inc. over on Facebook. Search that. You can go to his main website, you know, ExtremeKayakFishing.com, and just check out some of the stuff they've got over there. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, one—I mean, there was someone. I, if I'm not mistaken, one of the, the billfish went like, hundred and hundred and forty, hundred and sixty pounds, somewhere around there. So I mean, it was nothing really, you know, to just turn a, turn your head to. There were some really notable catches.
1: Yeah, look at this Dorado. That's a that's a huge fish. Yeah, dude, they they landed some
0: they landed some big big fish. I mean. Yeah, here's the white marlin here. So, I mean, if you look, these guys are set up and they have really decent weather out there, there weren't very big seas. I did hear a rumor that it was it was pretty tough, um it's pretty tough to get bait out there. And you know, like Joe said when he was on the show that one time, they had a bait boat out on the water from a local bait shop so that way you could buy bait from them while you're on the water if need be. But uh from what it sounded like they were having issues getting bait. And so I don't know, I don't know how much truth rang that. Of course, you know that was just hearsay. I think our friend B fine. Uh, he heard that, so we'll have to we'll have to have Joe on for a recap coming
1: up soon. That was a,
0: that was really cool. And I mean, this is going to kick off into his summer series now too. So he's got a lot coming down the pipe.
1: But yeah, we we really guys, did get it among. Because yeah,
0: I think it'd be all right. I mean, what's really nuts, though, is you know they've got some photos on there of how they actually transported the boats over to the the resort from the mainland. We, they're doing exactly everything that uh, we always preach the shipping companies to not do, and they're forklifting boats, but they're all on pallets and all sorts of stuff and getting ready to get shipped over. It was pretty cool, man, i got to admit I mean, there were guys bringing over all sorts of both. The Majority of them looks like the pedal drive, though. I mean, these guys mainly look like they were pro anglers, Outbacks, Revo's. That's mainly everything that I see that's gone over there. That's that's exactly what they were fishing out of, which makes sense completely, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, having the ability to keep your hands free and actively move around the fish. Now, especially when you hook up to larger pelagics and you've got to actually, you know, track down the fish, that's a, that's a big plus, and the pedal drive allows you to do so while fighting the fish. So kudos to the winners. Big props to them. They did a hell of a job, man. It looks like an amazing event and something that if you guys got a bucket list item, this is definitely one of them. So... We'll, we'll get Joe on again. He's all the fun talk. Uh, we also yeah, have the first time. What's up? Yeah, you were, you so were off that best. show. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we had a we had a riot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what we we have to have the big guests when you're not around because you, you're you're very intimidating figure.
1: <laughs> right, right. All all my Shoot. thoughts. All your what? all my deep thoughts I have during the interview, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our, our resident Jack
0: Handy and his deep thoughts and questions that push people to the edge. Thank you. But uh, we also had another leg of the cat tournament. That series is starting to get on the back side. Uh, they had a they fished out at Fayette County Lake, which is a lake that's halfway in between um, Houston and Austin. It's up in uh, it's up in up by Fayetteville, so it's a it's a real it's a power plant lake, so it's not a typical reservoir. And the fact that you know the water is always it seems to be warmer because you've always got a hot water discharge from the plant, and you know the spawning seasons for those fish they take place a little bit earlier in the year, unlike say maybe a Lake Sam Raven or anything like that that doesn't. It doesn't have, like, that influx of warm water, but those guys toughed it out. They had some brutal, brutal winds to contend with out there, and if anybody's not used to fishing, say, at County Lake, it's not that big of a lake, but it is super exposed. You have nowhere, really, to go where you can hide from anything. You've got tree lines and everything like that, but they're all positioned to where you really don't have protection from a southeast wind. And around here, that's predominantly what we get. And it was pumping hard. I remember I was fishing that day at a local lake and it it was miserable just sitting where I was. I had a great day fishing, but I couldn't even imagine those guys. It was, it was some intense conditions, but they toughed it out. They had a, they had a good turnout. Uh, First place in the, and the pro division took home uh, the check by getting ninety-seven and a half inches total, so that's not a bad day at, o- at the office. That's 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 a good that's a good catch average. And then big bass was at twenty-four inches, which is I figured would have been a little bit larger. I mm-hmm. figured maybe a twenty-five or a twenty-six inch fish would have taken it, but but that was, now. Here's what's really cool, man. Remember the girl we had on last week, Maddie. Yeah, yeah. Her dad took third
1: in the social division. Assault Walker. She took third. Yeah, it would have been better if she took third. I'm not that excited about her. Her dad taking third.
0: You said you said that. That means <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> Dustin, if you're listening tonight, I take no. I, I take no responsibility for Andrew's actions and his words. He's all on his
1: own. I'm, uh, I'm rooting against you. Yeah. I'm rooting for your daughter. I'm just letting you know. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> so
0: I still want to go fish with you,
1: but I won't bring him. I swear. <laughs> I, I would. I would just throw corkies anyway.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> it can be a topwater bite. You just try to reel a corky in really fast and skip it across the top of the water.
1: I'm going. I'm going bass fishing with corkies this week. I From want to see that happen. <laughs> You're calling your shot? I'm calling my shot.
0: Nice. So yeah, so it was sixty anglers and you know, those guys in social division I think they took anywhere from three hundred and fifteen bucks in store credit to one of the ACK locations or online. And then the uh, first place I think they took a little over fourteen hundred bucks, something like that. Uh,
1: that's that's a that's a nice check, man. I'll take that
0: for sure. But uh and
1: I will- I, I want to throw something out there, though. If anyone who has ever placed in the cat tournaments is listening, um, it's preferable that you make your purchases with that store credit at one of the two Houston locations. Just um, my personal preference. I'm just throwing it out there.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, I, I don't even know how to respond to that.
1: <laughs> I, I, I
0: don't. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I did want to touch on an event that didn't necessarily happen this last weekend, but the weekend before, our friend over at Yak Attack Luther, they hold a kayak uh, a kayak tournament as well. But they ended up. I, let me see. They here's the competitor list: 129 registered anglers, and. They had over ten thousand dollars raised to split between wounded or the heroes on the water and uh, he. I think it's Operation Healing Waters. Dude, ten grand, big big props to everybody who made that an event. That event such a success and putting money towards an awesome cause. Ten grand's gonna go a long way to help push their message out even farther. That's a uh, that's fantastic. I don't. I'm not even. I, there's not much else that I can even, you know, expand upon that. That was really, really cool, man. I gotta admit, Luther did an amazing job put all together. You know, it, 129 anglers. That's got to be some sort of a kayak tournament record for freshwater, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, you
1: would think so. Yeah, that's a that's a ton of people on the water at one time. You ain't kidding, man. That's a ton of people.
0: But I don't have the results. I I can't find where he's got them posted. I'm on the Yak Attack forums, but I don't see um, I don't see the results. But yeah, but I do know that it was over ten grand, Ray. So yeah. big, big kudos to them. That's a uh, that's one awesome achievement. And uh, oh, let's see. Let's see.
1: Yeah, I used the button. To kind of go, kind of go backwards on this whole thing. We really need to talk to Dustin, Christian, probably Luther too. Have you looked at the presentation of the check at the extreme kayak fishing website? Nah, what's up with that? And, well, I'm just gonna suggest everyone go online and look because it involves All right. swimsuits Enough. and a check. <laughs> I mean, this, if you're looking for, like, clicks per website, they're doing it. Hey, Joe Hector's on it. Good job. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, dude, think about this, too. Look at the other tournament
0: locations. Virginia, Galveston, and Fayette County Lake. All right? Look at his location. <laughs> I don't I do see your point. <laughs> not, not, not to knock their tournament at all, because it's not what I'm doing right now. But if I'm going to have an amazing check presentation such as that, that's the environment that I would like to be in. <laughs> it gives a little bit more incentive, I would think. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> I can't believe you went there.
1: <laughs> that
0: was awesome. Oh, man. But... Other than that, so uh, yeah, I got a chance to go. I got a chance to go hit the water actually this last weekend. Uh, I went and fished a couple of times. Uh, I got to go Saturday morning. You know, the same time those guys were out on the I was out on a small lake out here in Round Rock, and absolutely murdered them, man. It was it was insane. I've heard. You know, I did a lot of research on this lake before I started. You know, finding some place to go. And there's a lot of history on this little – and I'm not going to drop a name because I don't want any of you suckers out there on my lake. (laughs) It sounds rude, but it's so small. I don't want none of you guys out there. I'll bring you if you send me a PM. (laughs) But, dude, I did all this research on this lake, and from what it seems like, is not as – I mean, just as soon as probably two to three years ago, it was cranking out a ton of big fish. And and even Texas Parks and Wildlife had for a second there – or uh, for a while there, they did annual stockings there, and not just regular stockings. They did with Sherylunker They actually had some Sherylunker fry go in that little lake, so it was uh, it was pretty impressive. And you know, I went out there a couple of times when I first found out about it, and kind of you know, dink and ducked around trying to figure the lake out, and never really caught anything of significant size. I mean. Typically, well, I went out there and, you know, we went out there and probably caught a couple of three-pounders, which isn't nothing, you know, to, to shy away from. But, dude, we, I went out on Saturday morning and just put it to them. I, I, I did all of my fish on the hog trough. I would have been in the top three out at Fayette with my five. It was that sick. My biggest fish was almost 23 inches and almost touching 7 pounds. So, and all I was doing, man, is with this time of year, it is blustery. as all get out in Texas, typical spring, early summer pattern, lots and lots of wind. We we, we encounter it all the time, Uh, but if you're bass fishing... You know, heavy winds don't necessarily equate into a wasted day where you're going to go try and find a sheltered cove or anything of those sorts. Utilize the wind as your friend. I, I found this out really quick. When I launched that morning, I went out to the deep water by the dam, and I could not mark any bait fish whatsoever. I mean, every once in a while I'd see, you know, a little rippling on the fish finder of, of some bait, but there were never any marks afterwards of any larger fish chasing them around. So I cast around with crankbait, I did Senko, I did lipless crank, you name it, and just spent about an hour and a half, two hours out there trying to figure out if they were in the deeper water. Well, they weren't, and I went back to a spot where I had luck before, and... It ended up being, Andrew, I ain't kidding you, man, the windiest spot on the lake was the most productive. All that wind was doing was just pushing all that bait fish up on that, uh, towards that direction, and I could watch bass swimming through the fish finder. That's how sensitive that new Elite 4 HDI's down scan is.
1: Now, that's crazy. Because usually, you know what I mean, you can pick some up, but not like that. That's yeah, and it, it, it was, I mean, you just see like a streak
0: swim through the downscan. It was, it was insane. I, it's, I almost found myself most of the time not even using the actual sounder and just using downscan just to kind of see the different structure and the fish swimming all through it. And all it was was one gigantic grass flat. Three to four foot was all I was fishing. Water temp was like at 74 degrees. And I was using a 5-8-ounce rattle trap and just burning it over the top of the grass that was growing. And the key, though, I found out was every time I cast and it came back clean, I never got a hit. It had to, like, I had to cast out, bring it back, and it had to grab some grass. Once I felt it grab grass, I would rip it out and they would hit it. And I'm not kidding, man, they'd almost take the rod out of your hand. Because as soon as it got ripped out of the grass, that's when they'd slam it. That seven-pounder had that bait so far down its throat, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get the bait back or revive that fish. That's how bad they wanted that bait. And I had multiple fish in the four, four four-and-a-half, almost five range, and then I had that kicker fish. So, yeah, if if there's anybody out there, and now is a really good time to practice the tactic, fine flats, fine wind-beaten shorelines, sit off uh, and cast your arm out with lipless cranks, crankbaits, you know, anything of that nature that's going to rep, uh, represent shad because those fish are just going to be all over that area. And I can't guarantee it every single time, but, you know, it's always been my luck that it's been that way. Andrew, you said you went paddling this last weekend, right?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah we did. Went to um place in Missouri City, believe it or not. Um, for gar didn't I've never gone and fished for gar just for the hell of it I was like bored and it was someplace close where so I could waste some time absolutely zero success someone told me somewhere in there and I was just bored and thought it would be something fun to do failure but I'm ne- at least got it on I'm, the water I've never, never went fishing for gar I've never gone yeah, to- I don't
0: think I- <laughs> you what
1: I said I, I hadn't either. I mean, it just sounded like we were just talking to some guy who said he'd caught something there. I was like, I don't believe you. There actually any in there. There's nothing in that lake. Uh, it's Buffalo Run Park, Missouri <laughs> City. If anyone who lives in Missouri City is letting you know, supposedly there's gar, there. there's nothing else in there that I'd catch and keep. I'm not going to keep the gar either, but I thought if nothing else, I'd get to have some fun. And the most fun I had was unloading and then reloading my kayak. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, I did get out on the water with a guy, <laughs> so I took a guy out. It was, it was a test paddle anyway. I was like, well, you know, maybe maybe something will happen. We'll get a story out of it. But yeah, yeah nothing. I'm, yeah,
0: that's that's one thing I would like to go do. I haven't seen anybody ever do it, and it would be, it would be intense. It would probably rival being offshore fishing, you know, for a really large species, but. I'm kind of tempted to go gator gar fishing from the kayak, and not just like, not just like the little puny suckers neither, man. I'm I'm talking like, pick a big fish body of water like the Trinity, the Brazos, something like that. Find those holes in those bends or those backwater oxbows, and I'm talking fish for the big boys. I don't know anybody else who would. I don't know anybody else who's ever. I don't know if anybody's ever done it.
1: But I've caught, that would be I've intense. caught one. I've caught one on accident in the Sacramento River. You know? And it.
0: Um, well, that sounds like a typical fishing trip for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I don't like.
0: I've seen seen the guys that go up the Braggers and they like, they'll, they'll take their kayaks out to sandbars and they'll get out and they'll fish from the sandbar because I know it's a lot of just sitting there and waiting because the bite for those things is just so methodical but I'd do it man I just don't know how I'd land the thing but I'd do it
1: yeah um I mean, it's something to do I mean you know there's when you have a short amount of time and limitations on like Time you have to be home, or you know, after work or whatever, you got to get creative a little bit if you want to get out on the water and do something, you know. So. Well, yeah, man, you got
0: you got to be opportunistic. You got to take whatever's presented to you. I mean, if you're if the local body of water around you has got nothing but perch, well, become a perch fisherman. <laughs> I'm a perch. Fisherman. I know. I know. That's okay. There's support groups for like people like that.
1: Closest body of water to me right now is Petco, and they have clownfish and goldfish, and they frown upon it when you try to cast into the tank. <laughs> oh man!
0: Oh, by the way, nice link to uh, the the winnings from the Exchange Coast.
1: That's pretty Oh, so sweet, you man. clicked on it? You shamed me. Yeah, and now sorry. you.
0: Well, I, I clicked on it only due to the fact that you put wow, and I was in, I, I would, I'll admit, I was, in, I was curious. What was wow? After your last part of the conversation, I thought it was something else. What? But, okay. <laughs> There's some big fish in there. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, uh, that's, well, that's cool. Kind um, of see, man. So the only things coming up, other event news wise is Joe Joe's tournaments like offshore wise, we'll have the we'll have Joe's Summer Slam series start off in June and then in August. And then you've got the Blue Water Classic in August or October. And then you've got No, that's in August. And then you've got um you got the rest of the Cats in Cap City. That's it for events.
1: So No No, you're two weeks out from um sale and tail for um the texas island club so oh yeah. got something to do with that right well i got something to do with it that you know we got it <laughs> started but i've I kind of withdrawn from it um so there's like a, a group of guys now they're um, all hobie island owners whether tandem or single and i just put the link to the website up it's texasislandclub.com it's completely driven by texas island owners um you know, ACK and myself were, were involved loosely for support, and that's it. Um, but the events, everything they do, is all driven by members, and it's the largest island club in the country and actually in the world. Does that sound stupid? Really? But it is. Um Yeah, uh, I think we're at the 60 members right now, um, which is, I mean, that's, that's impressive. It's all it happened kind of organically. There wasn't a website or a Facebook page or anything for it a year ago. And it's launched now. So there's the TexasIslandClub.com, and it's, um, I believe, on the Facebook page. It's Gulf Coast Island Club, that's the name of it. It's for anyone from Louisiana through Texas on the Texas Gulf Coast that can join it. We have members up in Austin, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. So um, if you're an island owner, you can get on there, jump on, and uh, meet other people with islands if you want to go sail together. And they have quarterly events. So, the, the first, the second one of the year is coming up on the 10th, and it's going to be in Matagorda, launching from the beach, some sailing, some fishing, a little bit for everybody. That's pretty sweet, man. So, I was
0: curious, and there are probably some people out there, too, that maybe that they've got islands or whatever. So, what are the requirements, really, to join the island? club? is it really
1: just own an adventure island? It's own an adventure island. To join the website, I mean, it's like joining any, any forum. You just create an account and join that way to officially join the island club, um, you go to, well, I'll call the link because I'm not sitting here right in front of it. So, buy time, talk about islands, sailing, wind. <laughs> <laughs> and that one drives those on boats. <laughs> wind, pedal drives, you know, random things. Okay, so um, it's just HobieCat.com. Hobie Island Club. You just search Hobie Island Club, you'll get to the registration page. And what you'll do from there, fill in your um serial number of your boat, your address, your email. And what they do with that is they give that to the local club that organizes meetings so they can correspond with you. They don't get any spam from or anything. And they give you a couple free um like uh, lightweight T shirts, say Island Club on stickers and just freebies. Which is kind of cool. But um it's it's all supposed to be just a network for people with those boats, and you know, they spend a lot of money on them. They get together and get on the water together. It's it's a pretty cool thing. So, wow, that is cool, man. Rambling. <laughs> what do you think I do all the time? Oh yeah, that's what we that's what we're supposed to be doing. Just talking. Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Steve Mullins. Anyone who knows Steve. Um, He came back from Scotland this past year as a licensed sail instructor. He knows something about sailing. He knows knows a lot about fishing. Um, He's not the group leader, but he is an active member of the group. They're trying to work that all out and have, like, a group leader, and that's still kind of down the road. Like, the group itself is kind of forming and organizing on its own, so we'll see how that all turns out, but right now he's, most active member in the group. Well, that's the organization. That
0: yeah. Because he, he, did, he did a really good job of running the Texas Kayak Fisherman chapter up, the like the Northwest chapter. He did a really good job at that whenever he was president there. And, you know, that website had chapters, you know, whenever I started being on there, but there was none more active than that Northwest chapter. It was actually, it was really cool. I mean, they had, they had meetups at the Gander Mountain up there in Spring, or in uh, I'm sorry, in Cyprus. And if not that, they even had meetings at like local barbecue places that would clean out. They'd get they had guests come up there, and if I'm not mistaken, everybody pitched in money. They even had a treasurer. They paid for some of the the speakers. That, they paid for their way to come there and talk. I mean, and they even if I'm not mistaken, like they had like Scott Knoll talk and everything. So, I mean, they he organized all that, so if, if, if he's going to bring that much enthusiasm to the Island Club, that'll be up and running
1: legitimately
0: very soon. So, no, nah, that's cool to see that, man.
1: Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, I, just, I mean, the reason why Steve would be upset if I called him the group leader because he doesn't want to be called the group leader, but in essence, I mean, he's kind of taking charge of the thing just like he did with the Northwest chapter. And, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all good stuff, so. Yeah, for sure. Cool man. Yeah,
0: I I was curious how that group had been going. I, I know that they had the the Sails and Tails event coming up. But I didn't know it was that soon. So, I And if anybody is ever curious about, you know, island stuff, you know, you could even join the 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 forum anyways if you don't even own one, pick all those guys brains about, you know, the ins and outs of the boats, rigging, sailing, period, if you're just even on the fence about owning an adventure island, that is a great source to go and find information straight from the horse's mouth to maybe help fuel your decision on which one to go with, either the tandem or the single.
1: So, yeah. very cool. And something and something selfishly that you helped me out with on the Texas Island Club website, so it's TexasIslandClub.com, there is a weather link on there that has every, if you're a BTV guy, every weather location online that you go to to find all your weather reports, it's all on one page. Yeah. So it has nothing really to do. If you don't have an island, it's all right there so your your buoy markers, NOAA, everything, tide charts, everything's right there so you can just one click and find all, all the weather information that you're looking for. So kind of useful information for everybody that's in a coastal fishing or DTD or whatever. So pretty much everything you can use just to go ahead and forecast and plan out a trip. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. That'll work. One stop shop. Absolutely.
0: Well, outside of events and groups, I, I did come across a couple of cool pieces this couple this last week. Uh, some some gear that I kind of wanted to share with everybody. One of them is it's not even really anything that you mount on a kayak, but it is something to help you get your kayak from place to place. Uh, this was really, really cool. I'm going to post it up in the in the chat real quick, and I'll post it up on the, the Facebook page later. But this was... This is kind of like a... You know, we always had customers come in, and they wanted to keep their gear and boat separate so they'd get an above-the-bed rack, or they, would, or they had a camper shell, and they could protect all their gear. Dude, this is... This is a way to kind of keep your truck bed and still carry your boat, but separate it from the gear. This was a really, really cool piece of equipment. And have you, are you looking at it yet,
1: Andrew? Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, it looks like that, you know, that slide-out people have sometimes in their SUVs. That's, right. I've never seen a truck. That's, that's wild. Right. I mean,
0: this is really ideal if you think about it. I mean... So the top deck can carry 2,000 pounds. It's rated up to 2,000 pounds. So you can still use it as a truck bed if you're going to carry anything else. And then the, uh, the drawers, they say, are waterproof, and the drawers can carry up to 200 pounds per drawer. So you can, you can throw a ton of gear in there. Now, you might be limited for rods. That might be an issue. But you can carry those up top. So, I mean, that's not too bad. But, yeah, man, I, that's a, I, I thought that was a really cool product. And I think that there's a lot of kayak fishermen out there that can use this to help them get their boat gear, everything organized and ready to the water a lot quicker. I mean, to think about it this way. I mean, you can throw all of your tackle boxes in one of the little subdivided areas. You can throw in PFD, everything. You don't have to bring it inside the truck anymore. It still stays dry. Then you just throw your kayak up on top. Now, the only thing I can see that could possibly be an issue is if you've got a really long boat, how do you support the very end of the boat? Because you know as well as I do, a bed extender isn't going to reach up that high. There's probably not a bed extender on the market that's going to reach up
1: that high. Yeah, you have to get creative.
0: Yeah. And, And going the opposite way with the that the bed extenders allow you to do is not an option really anyway. So, but I mean, if you've got like a 12 foot boat, maybe even a 14, you could really, you could get by
1: with this for sure.
0: You know 14, what? Though, man, you they, make it.
1: The, they make those um, like two foot receiver extensions for people who have like Jeeps that need to get their receiver hitch beyond the tire. You could probably do yeah. one of those and use it on the top part of a, Bed extender, and kind of get to the height without really doing any expensive mods. And if you do if you're not a welder, or have a buddy that is, it's a pretty cheap part that probably lets you do it. No, that's that's a good that's a good option, man. I uh, uh, I know exactly the
0: time of it, and I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, that's no, this is a pretty cool piece of equipment. This is brought to my attention, you know, fairly recently, so. I don't know. I have to take a look and see. How. I don't. They don't. There, there, it is. So it starts about nine hundred and seventy-five bucks. Which, if you think about it, you could probably spend a cool grand on a really high-tech roof rack as well. I mean, some bars, towers, elevator, or you know, say even a, uh, a exporter with a elevator on top. of The exporter, you're in the same ballpark.
1: Yeah, I mean, my uh, my basket and roof rack, I'm in that same, I'm riding in that ballpark. Yeah, so I mean, it's not, I guess it's the initial sticker shock
0: is the most, is the most, this is the largest part you have to probably conquer. But if you going to sit back and total your receipts for an entire roof rack system that you're going to put up on top of you're probably be pretty shocked how close you'd be to that. So, pretty cool. Uh, the other piece that, it's not even really a, a very large piece. But this was rather interesting, and I caught it, and it's really going to appeal towards the big game, too, and the predator, uh, Predator kayak owners, is Luther, again, over at Yak Attack, has been innovating a little bit, and he's created... So the little black side plates that go on the side of the boat, there's six total per boat, and they're designed primarily so that you can mount things to it, remove the plate if you want, switch them around, or buy replacements, and mount optional, and then put a, you know basically rid your boat for different scenarios. Pretty much what it's going to do. But what he's basically done is he's taken one of those plates and then inserted one of his GT90 gear tracks down inside the plate and it's recessed in. So you just go ahead and, you know, replace all of your plates. Now you don't have to replace all those plates. You can literally just buy accessories that plug and play right into that track and never worry about it ever again. It was really, really cool, man. I'm, I'm trying to find a picture of it right now. But, dude, that's
1: that's a sick little innovation,
0: in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, it fixes a lot of issues right now with some of the installs on those on those rails. Yeah,
0: the, the rails tend to be a little narrow, especially you know, if someone enjoys like a Scotty style mount. Uh, You've got to really, you got to really get out on edge with that thing. So, um, yeah, I, I I completely agree. Now, if you think about it this way, if you still like the Scotty rod holder, and that's what you want to use. Okay, so now all I've got to do is buy the uh, the mighty mount for Scotty bases, attach my Scotty base to that, and then slide it in the track, and now I can use my Scotty rod holder, no problem. Here it is, and thirty five bucks, and that's all mounting hardware, the track included, the board's cut to fit exact, uh, pretty dang cool, man. I'm going to post this up for everybody in the chat, too. I know that they had been working on a a prototype of that, and there were some pro stackers out in Virginia and that whole region that had been using them already, and I think Rob Choi had one. Uh, He had it mounted on his Predator. I think it was on his big game, and it looked really sweet, dude. So here's a way to to tackle, you know, mounting systems on those two other boats. I would tell you what I would like to see, man. If he can do this with marine grade starboard for Predator, and it can't be that much thick, uh, that much thicker. What would keep him from doing this with, say, the you know, building a replacement starboard side for the Pro Angler with tracks in it already? I mean, think about then mounting the H bar to tracks, and then locking it in place, but then also having the ability, instead of just folding it, or if you want a quick fly adjustment, I can slide it closer to me or farther away. I know he's got some adaptations for tracks where you can do that now, but just imagine a starboard Hobie prying or side plate with tracking it already.
1: No, I mean, that'd be, that'd be almost a game changer on that boat, too. You know, the other thing I wish that he had would be those um, GT175s with a 4-inch, where you could pull a Scotty mount off, like some of because a lot of us have Scotty mounts on our older boats, and we want to go through a track, we want to go to a screwball or the or the gear track adapter from Scotty, just something where we can move it between kayaks. Where that GT 175 lined right up with my old Scotty deck mount, and I could just pull it off, drop the track on, without drilling. No, that's, yeah, that's an awesome idea,
0: for sure. So, I mean, I wonder if this is going to, like, I know not all boats have these plates and have the ability to do this on it, but, I mean, for the ones that do have that, you know, that, I think, that could, I mean, that could easily be a no-brainer for most of those boats. So, I don't know, man. That's really cool. I, I just came across that piece, and I was like, man, that is really ingenious. Because you can buy it without you can buy it without the track too, and you can put whatever track in there you want. I think. So I mean, as long as it fits the same GT90 profile, it's not made to fit with the GTSLs though. The the Spectra tracks, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean that'd be really cool if you could even do it with the GTSL and put the same color in there as your boat, lime green, lime green boat. Keep up with the the whole customization thing. So. That would be kind of sick.
1: Yeah. No, but uh,
0: but the, other piece, <laughs> the other piece of equipment, and I'm going to first go ahead and admit I did not do a lot of searching for this. I literally just found this. Man, maybe five minutes before the show started. So over at Kayak Angler Magazine's website, uh, if you want, it's www.rapidmedia.com backslash kayak-fishing. They, they I've seen these guys at OR, and they only had several boat offerings at that time. But this was a really random boat that I just found. And so I don't necessarily, I'm probably going to be butchering this name, but Kaku or Kaku Kayak. They've got a new boat out called the Wahoo, and this thing is—it straight up looks like multiple boats that are on the market right now. The outside profile, the boat—I mean, it's a 12-footer, 31 inches wide, 500-pound capacity. The Andrew—the outside profile looks this almost kind of like you know the those flat ridges on the outside, like big game, big game esque, but. It's got the exact same center console as the Trident and from what it looks oh, excuse me. From what it looks like, the same front hatch as the wilderness systems boats. This is a very interesting design boat. And I can't necessarily tell by side profile what kind of water body this thing is really targeting at. I mean, I would assume with a lot of that flat deck space there. Standing is going to be a very viable option, as well as uh, you know maximum stability being another feature of the boat. But dude, twelve footer, nine ninety nine with rudder.
1: No, that's you're right though. I mean that that center hatch almost looks like a a tetra yeah i i can't tell if it's a i can't tell if it's a super narrow
0: one like the because doesn't the big game have the narrow hatch or does it have i can't remember if it has the narrow hatch or the standard no it has a narrow hatch Yeah, i mean the profile of it i mean it's it looks like just a blend of a bunch of different boats that they took in that they taken the design you know considerations from and put it on here the the rudder blade looks longer than Longer than most that I've seen, which might help with turning uh, such a big boat a lot more quickly. But, yeah, man, I, I I just saw this really quick, and I was like, man, this is, this is unique.
1: I, mean, I can't really, why I don't it's know. I don't, yeah. So, it's not, I mean, it's not like it's as wide as, you know, some of the, the newer boats out there. I mean, that, I don't know, it's different. Different, but the same, I guess, because it's pieces of other boats. But to see it like all put together like that is, it's different. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was.
0: That's kind of what I was thinking too. I mean, you know, you might as well go ahead. And, I mean, who says? I mean, cherry pick the best features of the boats that you like the best and put them all in one. I mean, that's what most of the manufacturers try to do. You know, anyways, they try to incorporate a lot of the best uh, features that are out on the market and put on their own twist on it. And uh, so, I mean, this is a, this is essentially doing just that. But I don't know, man. I just saw that and I was like, man, that looks exactly like that boat and that boat and that boat. I don't know, man. And there's a lot of features that I like across the industry. I like the tarpon hatches a lot, or just the wilderness hatches, period, a lot. And I, like the, I do like having inside access to the whole, like the Trident's, so that's the both worlds right there. So if you're looking for a real nice economical-style fishing kayak, looks like really st- real stable, go check out Kaku Kayaks. I mean, looks like kakukayak.com is what their website is. So uh, yeah, go check them out. I don't know. Uh, I can find someone a link here. or Or that other guy can put a link in there. I don't know what he's doing.
1: I'm just... I'm mesmerized yeah, by the guy that's there. <laughs> you mesmerized by what? By the way, that's just an interesting boat. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm on their website now, and they've got several boats like that. It's one of them, like, I can't tell who what this is, but it looks... I don't know, man eight ninety nine is called a Catho Kayak twelve foot black and white. Kinda kinda resembles a shorter version in my opinion of, uh, of what we just looked at. That's what it looks like at least. I don't know man. But something else felt like, like a like, riot uh, like a riot boat? That's true. No, it is true. But uh there was something else I was gonna Dude, did you see the uh the record kayak catch uh there was a lady that was, um, if I'm not mistaken, she was, she was in the south. I, mean, I found it right here. So uh, there's a lady. Her name is Regina Womack. The article was up on Kayak Fish Magazine pretty recent. Um, dude, she landed a 15.88-pound largemouth.
1: on a push-button
0: reel on a spinning rod.
1: Wait, wait, wait. How, how big of a large?
0: 15.88. And that's, now from what it sounds like, it's pretty sad, but I think this fish didn't make it because they said initially on an uncertified scale it was at 16.25, which is insane. But from what, it ma- from what they make it sound like, I don't think this fish made it. But they've it pretty much, you know, recorded catches that have been made from a kayak. That is the largest largemouth ever caught from a kayak. That it, you've got to see this photo. It is, this thing looks like it stretches from her waist to the ground. And she's, she's doing her best. I can't tell if she's kind of holding it towards the camera what, but it's, it's one of the largest uh, the largest bass I've ever seen. It is insane. It's a shame though that it really didn't, it didn't make, if, it, if it's true and it didn't make it, 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 that's a shame that, you know, I don't know if maximum effort was given to keep that thing alive, and I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt that it was, but I'd like to see seen that fish kept alive for sure, you know, because something like the Texas Parks and Wildlife program we have here to share a lunker you know those guys go through considerable lengths to keep those fish alive to put them in breeding stock and divvy out all the genetics that have been nice if they've been able to do that here uh so hopefully it did if not you know still an amazing catch you're and you're entitled to do whatever you want with it, as long as you're within the law uh ethically you know it stinks in my opinion if it didn't make it but you know kudos to her Big catch on very unconventional equipment, not to uh, not to say the least. Just, that's like, dude, that's like Chris catching all of his fish on this on a push button. No, I, I was about to say there's there's hope for Chris. Yeah, it, absolutely, man. Absolutely, but the fact that she caught it, and here's her winning combination right here. Uh, she caught it on a spin cast reel on a spinning rod. And the bait she caught it on was a purple Zune Mag 2 worm. So, next thing you know, in Louisiana, Mag 2 worms are gonna be <laughs> gonna be flying off the shelf because you know as well as I do that's the greatest form of uh, marketing possible. Catching something like that. I remember when uh, that guy caught Dottie out in uh, one of the California lakes. Dude, jigs were flying off the shelf. I had a buddy of mine who lives over there sending me photos that there were jig sections of their aisle that were just completely wiped out. And everybody was on the lake fishing for fish finish because they knew Dottie was released. And if no one knows what I'm talking about, Dottie was a bass over there that broke the world record, not like the one over in Japan that tied the record. This was like straight up stepped on the record, squashed it, and beaten in submission. It was it was a big bass. And unfortunately they found that fish dead, uh, later not not in the same time period, but like a year or two later. So but yeah I man, big, big fish. Wish it would have been let go. If not, still congrats to her. That's a big catch. So <laughs> there's a guy in the cooler or in the guy in the chat says, Bet that fish made a nice corbulion. on <laughs> Very much so, Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of it. Lots of fish stock, you know. If you like to eat fish fins like tater chips, (laughs) made a big tater chip. But, yeah, cool catch, man. And then there was also also another record catch that Kayak Fish Mag had on here, too. Uh, There was a guy that caught a 212-pound black marlin, that is absolutely insane. That's out in Hawaii for all the guys that are spoiled out there with that amazing water that they have and that rich fishery. Two hundred and twelve pounds, man. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Now, unfortunately, again, I think it's a little. I think it's a culture thing over there. They kill a lot of billfish. And a lot of the kayak anglers that I see over there that, you know, they catch them, and they they don't, they aren't caught and released. And if I'm not mistaken, though, these fish, they go back and they feed a lot of people. And it's not like they're catching one every single day and they're decimating the population because there's just a handful of kayakers that do it. But at the same time, man, I, I still like, personally, I'm a, I'm a catch and release guy, especially when it comes to sport fish like that. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the guy's catch, just like the lady before. But, you know, I I like to see those kind of fish, I like to see them make it and get released. But still, man, you got to go check that out. That thing is a a pig. And the photo he's got, I mean, he's sitting on the rock with it after he got back to shore. It looks like something took a massive bite out of his head. like old man in the sea style where he's got it strapped to the side of his boat and they're just chomping on it and he's bringing it back to shore.
1: You're talking about big fish. Did you see that mimico in the back of that guy's truck? I know it was all over Facebook. I'm sure you saw it.
0: Oh, the the one he's going to get in trouble for? Yeah. 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 That was a... I mean, if you're going to be secretive about what you just caught, I don't think necessarily strapping it in your tiny little truck's bed that it extends five to six feet out of and then go get gas with it in the back of your truck. I don't think that was necessarily the most proper approach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he just threw discreet right out the window. That 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 wasn't even that was an afterthought. This thing, I mean, that was one of the largest makos I've i I've, I've seen. That's one of the largest sharks I've seen caught from the sand. And the fact he even got it in the bed of his truck and tied it in there was impressive all on its own.
1: <laughs> well, I, I saw it out of his photoshop. Just because of that that alone. Like how did he get the, that shark in the bed of his truck? I,
0: yeah, I, I I don't know, man.
1: That was
0: that was unique. I I don't I guess all I did was I I read that or I read that there was potential for him to catch some flack over that. Um, but I mean, that's a big shark, dude. I mean, I hope he harvested it in the means that he was gonna he was gonna eat it because that's if not, that's a shame. Right. But oh well, man. So, well, other than that, dude. Uh, well, I'm about out of uh, I'm about out of things to talk about this week. You got anything that you want to touch base on for next week, or you want to hit on? Uh, right now, does anybody say thanks or anything, to
1: No, I know you put me on the spot. So I'll be th- thank you for whoever I'm supposed to be thanking right now. i, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I got you, man. Well, uh, everybody, in the, everybody in the chat, uh, thanks for stopping by this evening. Uh, it's been another fun one. Uh, we'll be back next week, you know, same time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, Kayak Fishing Radio. I'll post up a link instead of like I did this week. That way, everybody can spread the word, and we can all have some more people in here and have some more fun. Because I know whenever we've got like 20 people in chat, things get a little—they get really lively, and we have some fun with it. I was going to talk to Chip potentially about this next week, maybe of having all the kayak. I was kicking around the idea of maybe having all of the uh, all the kayak fishing radio hosts. On and talking about how kayak fishing radio got started and the whole backstory of that, what do you think about that andrew' that'd be interesting. That'd be that'd be really interesting just kind of seeing how uh just kind of seeing how kayak fishing radio got its ground you know rooted or got its, uh got rooted in the ground and started going you know with, with chip and then kind of how it went from there so i'd like to I'd like to see if you'd be down to do that. But, uh, so I yeah, Bobby posted up something in the chat, too. I'll probably, I'll bring this up, too. Uh, there's a possible bass fishing, uh, kayak bass fishing trail, uh, coming to the Houston area, so, you know, we'll have another bass, uh, bass circuit, kayak fishing bass circuit on, uh, on the books instead of just the two that are in the Sentex area and, and, you know, remote events they branch out to, so get it done, Bobby. Don't be teasing. So uh, you get that. If you get it going, we'll get you on the show and let you talk about it. Spread the word, brother. But uh, until – well, that's all I got, man. So we'll see you guys back next week. Bobby, if you want, post up on the, the Facebook page if you want to – if you got a link built up to anything for that. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Jaron Wassel. Again, joined by Andrew Moxaginza. Until next time tight lines, and like Chip says, take a kid fishing. I'll see you guys later.